I'm, I always think I'm like, man, R&B is like great. I don't see what people have against it. And then I'm like, oh, we have access to like a giant house in the center of the thing. Yeah. Yeah. With free alcohol. So yeah. I guess <laughs> I, have a, I have a pretty skewed perspective of that. I can tell you, uh, yeah, I think um, that's the perfect experience of R&B though, right? Yeah. I think playing at it is definitely. Yeah, it's definitely the way to go. Um, the first year in 2018, I performed with Dead Forest, um, who at that time was going by a different name, it was cool. Jinzo. And they gave us artist camping. We put our tents up. We went way too early. So we're on the 31st and we went on the 28th. And by the time we got to the 31st, we were like, <laughs> beard was growing out. Like, See you soon, BG. One of our mates hadn't shit in four days. Because <laughs> he just, what? he didn't, he refused. He's like, I'm not going to the Portaloo. Luckily, I had a friend that let me use their shower that lived right in Gizzy. So oh, I was like, right. oh, thank you. But it was really, it became like some naked and afraid shit. We were like, we were like oh man, we've, we're definitely going to have to get a hotel next time. We yeah, come. are you good at camping? Is camping your thing? No, like camping, if we're talking about just normal camping, I'm completely cool with. But in that setting, I'm not really, like I'm not a big fan of crowds. So when you get to sleeping and you have like a million convos, yeah. happening at once around your head. I have this thing where I'm like, I think a lot of musicians aren't, I'm not a big fan of crowds either. Yeah. I have this like sneaky thing that like, I think a lot of musicians get into and want to play at festivals all the time because they're like, cool, I don't have to hang out in the crowds. Yeah, I can kind of yeah, yeah. just go watch side of stage or whatever. Yeah, for sure. Even um, even the recent one, we kind of walked through the crowd to get to some places and I was like, oh man, I, I definitely can't do that. Civilians. Yeah, it's just like, oh, just mad armpits in the air, you know? How many sets did you play at R&B? Um, so I was originally supposed to do my own and then Church and APs, but then that fell through. Um, so I just did Church and APs. Uh, we did the 31st. Um, I think it was like 7 p.m. Yeah, sick. Yeah, so it was, it was a pretty nice time. Yeah, nice. Because, uh, by the way, welcome to Harko Meets Humans. I'm here with Dara, Dara Milan. Thank you for having me. YKK family. Yes. Church and AP family. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, we've, we've, we've talked once on the gram. Yeah. It's lovely to have you here in person. Thank you. And uh, happy new year. Yeah, happy new year to you. We're talking about uh, the, all the festivals you just come off the back of. Mm-hmm. Um, so you played at 7pm, but it, 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 when you first played in 2018, what time of the day were you then? Um, that was like 5 p.m. at Garden Sage. So there was a solid six people in the crowd. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, so that was that was uh, an interesting experience. But yeah, and then the year after, I think we did, um, I forgot what stage it was, but it was like, not the main stage, but the second largest. It was yeah. like, I think five, 6,000 people, which was a massive jump. Right. Um, and then, yeah, this year was like similar number. We did, uh, I think, Heineken stage at RMV. Yeah, it's a cool energy, yeah. Just to, to actually hear people uh, sing your songs back to you is like, oh, this is insane. Yeah, well, you had some fucking, some singable songs, some big hits this year, mm. last year, sorry. Um, it, I've always wondered, like, when the, when the crowd gets bigger, does it actually change your experience of the gig at all, really? Or is it just, yeah, for sure. Right. I definitely, I get more nervous the smaller the gig is because it gets more personal. Like back, like back room? Yeah, so, you know, when you get into gigs like back room, um, it's like, you know, it's a smaller room. There's like 100 people and yep. you're, you know, directly staring at all these people's eyes. You know you're going to be, you have to walk through them to get, get, get out of there. So it just feels way more personal. Whereas on that festival, you know, you, you're real detached. They're quite far away. Right. And then you can just walk out back and leave. So yeah. I definitely think it gets way, I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's way more nerve-wracking with smaller uh, gigs. Yeah, right. <laughs> and it must feel like um, it's it's uh, it, it, it detached is kind of a good word for the festival thing, isn't it? Yeah, like, for sure. You are like you said, you're completely se- you're separated from everyone else. Yeah. You're in this kind of thing. Actually, quite. I I mean, I enjoy the backroom things a lot more than I enjoy like being separated. But mm. um, in R and V, you would have been just hanging out with a lot of the other bands and acts. Playing yeah. at the same time, like how is that? I always think like for musicians, that's actually the important part of like festivals is like bumping around with a lot of people and meeting and like exchanging ideas and shit. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, you know, it gives you an opportunity to give these people flowers as well. So we saw bands um, and stuff and friends that were performing and you just get to, you know, appreciate their craft and stuff, you know, give them a compliment because often you're, you're so detached, you're doing your thing, they're doing theirs. So to actually be around them and, and be able to talk and mingle and stuff is 
is fun. Are you like a, you seem like quite a, a confident person who would be able to mm. like go up and say what you think to yeah. someone else. Yeah, for sure. I, I love giving flowers. Like really no one's getting hurt, you know? You go up and say, hey, I enjoyed your show, enjoyed your music, whatever. Um, and it's just beneficial for everyone, especially in 2020 after everything's happened. I think people need flowers more, now more than ever. Is your experience that you're like a rarity in, in, in the fact that you do that or that, that other people around you, your, your crew are like that as well? Um, it's definitely a shared thing amongst, uh, you know, YKK and stuff. We, we, we all kind of share that similar thought process, but I, I'd hope everyone does that as well because, you know, the scene can get a bit standoffish and um, elitist at times, you know, when people are uh, kind of too too high up on their high horse to kind of compliment or talk about anyone else. Right. Because, mm. like, I did, I do, I did want to get into that because in terms of genre, like hip-hop, R&B, that kind of thing, it, it's, it's a lot more all the hallmarks of like tribalism are pulled on a lot more. Like, you know, the, the in-group and the out-group. Like, uh, yeah. we're, we're from here, we, we listen, we like this kind of shit. Like, and that must make it, I always get envious of being in one of those groups because I don't think bands or other musicians tend to easily have that kind of like scene around them. Yeah. But also it, it, it must, it, does that like, does it heighten com like competitiveness? It does it like in, in between all these groups? Like how, how, how are the dynamics of all that kind um, of stuff? It's definitely, I'd say it probably is the more, like the most competitive of all genres. Um, you know, it's rooted in that. It's, it's, mm. it's like the sport of hip hop to be competitive uh, when you go back to the roots. Um, so that definitely, yeah, plays a big part. Also, you know, you have all the specific groups repping a certain area. So that kind of heightens the, yeah. the competitive factor. Um, you know, you have such and such from South and then blah, blah from West. And, you know, that kind of does a lot. But I think it, the, the competitions, it's good. You know, it's, it's healthy competition. Um, it really helps you when you have like a fire under your ass to, to make better music. Yeah, there's a little bit of, I think, uh, art m does miss a bit of competitiveness sometimes. Yeah. Are you into sport? No, I suck at every sport you could <laughs> probably imagine ever. Well, what was the one that you tried and you figured out you were like, oh, I'm not good at any of this? Um, for some reason, I got into my basketball bag. I'm five foot eight. No, no reason in the world I should be, but <laughs> I just was. All the boys would play it in high school. So yeah. I was like, yeah, let me try. I got one shot in every 58 attempts. So <laughs> that was enough to keep me going. But yeah, I definitely wasn't the sports guy at all. Well, was that the lunchtime activity playing basketball on the courts? Yeah. 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 And would play um, yeah, out, out of school as well for some reason. I don't know how I actually, <laughs> thinking back to it, I, I was mad capping the, just the entire time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That was definitely my, I mean, I, uh, I was, I'm a little bit into sport. I was quite good at soccer mm. in, in high school, but basketball was the lunchtime thing. Yeah. yeah. Got quite gangly limbs. Uh, so I my, I had one of those like flying elbows kind of like gangly white guy. Yeah, thing. yeah. People didn't like playing with me. I, I had a lot of enthusiasm though. <laughs> yeah, I had heart. I got to give it to myself. I had heart. You had heart? I, I didn't have hands when it came to getting the ball in, but I had heart. <laughs> yeah, the, the other one we had was we would buy, I mean, I'm from Timaru, which is mm. like, uh, I don't know, have you, uh, have you been to Timaru? <laughs> it's halfway between like Christchurch and Dunedin. No, I've never. Have you guys been on tour? Um, yeah, yeah, we have. So flying in and out of places. Yeah. Um, so we've done like Christchurch, Wellington. Um, we've we've yet to do Dunedin. I feel like you guys would pop off in Dunedin. Yeah. Funny enough, it's the spot, but we we've, we still haven't played there. And it's like <sighs> that that's happen. the spot where it would go off. All right. Like you guys are like a flat on Castle Street. Uh, like after party. Fuck, that would be. Yeah, we were. Uh, we we're supposed to do some stuff. I think towards the end of the year, but it got cancelled, I think, due to COVID stuff. <laughs> Classic 2020. Yeah, yeah. So that, there was that. But yeah, definitely in 20, 2021, we'll go back to that. I mean, it's fucking cold down there, bro. Really? It's not It's not. A, not a meme. You know, it's actually real. Yeah. We would, we like, because I went to uni down there, We. it's literally like in the winter, you leave your front doors open because it's actually colder inside the flats than it is outside. And mm. everyone has... Their beds are like, um, you've got your like fitted sheet, you've got your duvet, and then you've got the o the opened out sleeping bag on top of your duvet. Oh, that's insane. It's fucking crazy, dude. It would kind of work for me. I love dressing cozy like all year round. So. I saw that fucking jacket you wear. That was hot. 
ripped her. <laughs> but I had like, to what? rip her. I paid too much money to not wear that jacket. I'm like, I'm wearing this. I don't w- care. What is that jacket? Because I do um, like it. It's an entire studio's jacket. So they they dropped their first round of jackets in the beginning of December. Right. Where? Who are they? Where are they from? Uh, so they're from Auckland. Uh, it's two designers, Seb uh, and Dylan. Uh, right. And so they've so far released the jackets. And if not, if I'm not mistaken, a few other pieces of clothing. But the jackets were the big thing. Um, and they dropped in December, which was a bad time to drop a jacket. But I was just as I was like, I'm a, I'm aware of this. I Bro, that was like you, you, you. I was sweating. You drove through that. Shit. I was sweating, yeah, like badly. But we made it through. I took it off, and and we're, we we're good. Bro, it gets cool. It was like, cause did you have the the AMAs as well? And yeah, put, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's almost iconic already. Yeah, doing a fit, bro. Um. Yeah, they, they gave me, I think it was one of their um, sample jackets for that. Right. Um, so that was very nice of them to, to let me wear it early. Because it's cool. I think like there's like a, I think there's a lot more, com- is there a lot more comfortability in almost like the hip hop genre of like uh, dressing up or like be, like a lot more acceptability of like, I'm going to fucking look real cool and I'm going to yeah. do my thing. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think there is, you know, it's a part of the whole image thing when it comes to hip hop, but it's also now more than ever, it's really personable. So you have some people that kind of have the, um, you know, button up shirt with jeans, kind of casual look. And then you have other people that have the flamboyant, shiny kind of out there colors, outfits and stuff, uh, which is cool. You know, it's, it's, it's more unique than it's ever been. Yeah. Um, Changing tactics slightly because I just remembered uh, the the whole thing that's going on at the moment that I keep seeing because obviously I'm a complete outsider, mm. right? I think one of the the only hip hop gigs I went to was the one of yours at Backroom that I popped into, and like yeah. like I said to you, I want to go to more this year. Um, I've been seeing a lot of chat about the, a lot of debate about the old American accents, and New mm. Zealand rappers. Uh, what's what what's what's the like rundown of that? Like, what's that discussion, and and, and what do you think about it? Um. So essentially, uh, the American accent was really prevalent in our rap, understandably. Um, and then around, I'd say the turning point was probably, I'd say 2019, 2020 was kind of the big transitional period. So people started um, ditching the American accents and taking on the Kiwi accents. So it was just kind of this period of time where everyone was essentially starting from scratch. Because when you start with a new accent, there's a whole different energy and swag to right. how you're rapping. So you kind of have to reinvent your sound. And we saw that with a ton of artists. Um, but some people just didn't want to do it. Other people were real, you know, elitist about it. Others were angry, like, hey, you know, we're Kiwis. You don't need the American accent. So that was kind of the controversy. And then there was challenge. Uh, I think a challenge, oh, I forgot by who, but uh, it was like you're rapping your accent challenge, essentially. Right. Um, and so now we're seeing a lot of like Kiwi artists uh, ditch the American accent, go on to the Kiwi accent. Because it'd be kind of fucked, right? Because the accent would change like vowel sounds and change like how certain words Yeah, it's like, completely so, different. So it would change your rhymes and it would change like the flows, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not as simple as just saying the no. same rhyme in the new accent. It's restructuring it completely, you know? Yeah, that's crazy. Do you think, do you think, I mean... There's no, there's no money on the line or whatever, but mm. do you think like in the future you'd see more of that grow? Like I saw a really good point that was like New Zealand hip hop is like really in its very early stages. So it's kind of yeah. all up to growth. Um, yeah, honestly, I'd love to see more of the Kiwi accent. I'm, I'm not opposed to the American accent, but at this point it just feels disconnected. It just doesn't feel right. Mm. Um, not to say that there's anything wrong with rapping in that accent but i'm definitely more connected to people that are using the kiwi accent and it's not to say you have to use it one certain way you know we're seeing a lot of examples of uh people kind of uh twisting and molding that into their own sound Mm. which i think is the cool thing um because in terms of nz slang i mean we have some of the coolest slang in the world in my opinion and we really don't use it at all like what what are you like throwing out there what's like classic slang in your friend group um We'll just, let's say someone... Like flowers. Like, I've never heard anyone say flowers. I really like that. I'm going to use that. Yeah, nah, yeah, use that. It's a thing. You know, just classic stuff like growing up around South, you'd hear people saying that's ammo, you know, don't bots it, <laughs> this and that. Like, I'd love to hear that stuff in rap because it's like, okay, that sounds cool. Like, I can get with that. It's kind of, it's, it's like, 
you're actually relating to it. You're taking your everyday life and putting that into the film. Yeah, and then you know adds the relate uh, relatability factor to it. I mean, it's hip hop, so you're gonna there's gonna be kids listening to this like, oh, I can relate to this guy. And like for me, I think relating to the music is kind of one of hip hop's hallmarks, right? Like you, it's all yeah. about like actually speaking and telling stories. Uh, you know, at, at the essence of it. Yeah, um, exactly. Um, and yeah, I think what, what, what we've seen in 2020 is people kind of uh, looking to the UK more than they are in, to America. Yeah, right. I think we've completely forgotten about America in a lot of ways when it comes to our music. So now you're, I mean, UK is taking the world over at this point. Like they're, they're going crazy with it. So it makes sense that we're kind of following in their footsteps as well. Yeah, what, 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 because that's kind of true. Like, um, why, why do you think? UK over anywhere else. Like, what what's happening in the UK? Is there is it like certain artists are going on? Is there certain scenes, certain sounds? Like, um, it's we're seeing like the birth of a lot of kind of new styles and stuff. You know, it's it's very inventive at the moment. Like, it's unique. Um, and just the sheer amount of accents that you get out of the UK, the diversity in the pool of music is like it's amazing. You know, you get hip hop, you get drill and stuff, and then you get ten different artists with completely different slang and mm. accents it just gives it such a unique flavor yeah because i saw um, a friend of the podcast masbo q shout out masbo q he um one of his i saw him on one of his social medias um talking about this like accent thing he kind of he he, he said something about uh people are using american uh, uh accents but he mentioned american beats mm. what what does that mean what <laughs> is there a kind of like a uh, 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 is there a kind of production or beats that you'd attribute to like America versus like what you'd attribute to the U uh, UK versus what you'd attribute to New Zealand? Like yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think your that typical trap sound, you know, the the Uzi and Uzi's, yeah, or that kind of the eight oh eight mafia era. Um, that's very much American, right? And then you have kind of the grimy drill um, stuff, you know, the Afrobeat kind of dancehall um, stuff they get out of the UK, um, and. It, it has a lot to do with feeling, but there's a lot of fundamentals in there. Um, like for Drew, uh, they move their snare like one beat later, right. their second snare in each bar. So that that's as like a tiny change that um, completely shifts it across the world in terms of sound. But yeah, there's definitely distinct American and UK styles. I think we're seeing people move over to UK sounding beats because at the moment, I don't think we have New Zealand sounding beats necessarily. Yeah, that's we're figuring that out. That's obviously what I was going to ask you. But like, if, if I were to pick uh, a foundation, would build off of it would be UK sound as opposed to America. Yeah, you find yourself like when you sit down and just like fooling around making shit. That's the kind of close you get closer to that than you do the American stuff. Yeah, like one of uh, one of the biggest inspirations in terms of sound at the moment for me is uh, UK grime that I'm doing mm. with Dead Forest. Kind of that real grimy, aggressive. Um, hard hitting but minimal kind of sound. Um, yeah, because we should say just in case you don't know, uh, Dara makes a, the beats for Church and AP uh, for a, a bunch of people, right? Mm -hmm. And and including remixes. And you make house music under a different name. Yeah. Um, so production magician. Um, so it's really interesting hearing you talk about like yeah, because that's what I wanted to get onto is like if New Zealand hip hop is still in early form, then like. The New Zealand production for hip hop is like is only just starting, right? Yeah, in my opinion, like we really just started in like 2020, 2019 properly. Yeah, wow. Like the, you're, you're starting to see even the older um, hip hop artists reinvent themselves and kind of get a groove into kind of the new way everyone's doing things. Um, so the accent stuff, that whole debate and all that controversy, I think it's for the better. Like um, you're seeing a lot of artists um, get more personal. Um, try new things. You know, it's, it's, it kind of it takes you back to the root of making music where you're not caring about, you know, reaching a quota. It's like you're just having fun again. And we're seeing that from artists that have been around for like a decade. So it's a cool moment to be in. So you do, how much are you thinking about like your role and what you're making and moving things forward in that sense? Um, or are I, you just like, this beat's fucking fun, I, dude. It's like a bit of both. Yeah. So I'm just making what I enjoy at the moment and that happens to be kind of a weird, wacky sound of people that they can get with. So I guess yeah, I is, think is, about... Is that what you feel people think about your beats? Uh, yeah, I definitely think it doesn't follow the typical grain of what you'd expect. Right. Um, 
And at first I was like, kind of, I was worried about that. I'm like, oh, you know, no one cares about it. But now it seems people take a liking to kind of the weirder, wackier sounding stuff. So Still personality. I, I do think about, yeah, the kind of all our roles in this, you know, I, I think we can have a massive impact on the hip hop community going forward if we just play our cards right and kind of put our foot on the ground in terms of getting New Zealand hip hop to be its own thing. Do you, because you, you strike me as such like a, like I use the word Don, I think, mm. to like describe you to someone when they're like, oh, who you got on the podcast? I was like, dear. And I was like, I was like oh, he's kind of the Don of like, okay, okay. <laughs> like I think what I kind of mean that is like exactly what you're describing there, which is like you have this sense of, you, you do your thing, but then you also have this like sense of like what's going on outside of yourself and all that mm. shit. Like, have you always been this way? Is this like... Uh, no, you know, it comes from a lot of personal growth. Like I couldn't even perform in, in like 2018, right. um, 2019, because I was just so... I was, I was, I'm a very try kind of introvert person when it comes to the core. Um, so kind of just getting acclimated to all this music stuff was... It's definitely a journey. You know, you grow with your music, so... Yeah. It definitely took a lot of, you know, uh, do's and don'ts and, and, and mistakes and uh, kind of all that to get to here. So has it, have you, is there still just one DERA that's growing or is there like a kind of like music business DERA that has to like, has learned how to do this whole kind of thing and then there's like personal DERA still kind of the same and just wants to chill um, out at home? I think it's definitely just one data cool. that's like grown uh, as a whole. Because, you know, that it's, I actually talked to, uh, church about this the other week. Shout out, church. Um, you have like, you have artists that are their personal selves and then you have their artist personas and then you have your artists that they're just, that's them, you know? So someone that has a moniker and, you know, that's them when they're on stage and when they're making music and at, at home they're a different person. And then you have the other artist who's just, that's them. You know, mm. you walk up to them on the street and they're that artist, they're still the same person. So it's it's interesting to kind of you know once you start meeting these artists to observe which ones, uh, uh, which ones are what. Hmm. That's cool. I mean, the 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 growth thing is always healthy. Yeah. I think so. Like because at the end of the day, we 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 are still people who make music. We still mm. have to live our own lives, and I think like any the growth through music can only really help. You know the the you know hanging out as an actual person. Yeah, yeah. In some ways, I think it it is while I find like the persona thing exciting and useful, it, it can sometimes become like a bit of a crutch or a distraction Yeah, that you can just, oh, I'm just this guy here and then I don't have to really, I, I'm just me outside. I don't have to fucking worry about yeah. it. It takes away like accountability as well. You can be like, oh, yeah. you know, that, oh, that wasn't Dita, that was Dara. You know, yeah, that was, oh, that was Dara <laughs> McLean. That was Dara Mellon. That, that wasn't me. That, yeah, right. Yeah. Hey, Accountability is a good one. Is that and YKK? Is that is that you? Are you the are you the person that the buck stops at? Is it kind of a shared thing? How how does the, how does the like um, practical function of that family and that group work? Um, I think it works well because there's no prominent figure in it. Where kind of uh, everyone's knows their place in it. It's, it's kind of like an equal thing. No one's it's more you, important. There's a church and AP. Dead Forest, um, uh, Aiden Fine, Aiden Fine as well, and uh, Dead Naked Party. Cool. Who's um, uh, our art guy? He's he's like the the mysterious figure that that yes. lurks in the shadows. Right. That's good because I was going to ask you about that because uh, uh, this the the seed for this podcast started on Twitter. Shout out to Jacob. Um, yeah, shout for, out to <laughs> Leaping Tiger, man. So you wanted to talk shit on a podcast and he, yeah, he yeah. also tweeted that he wanted to see a Dead Naked uh, Party podcast as well. Mm. I was like, oh, who the fuck's Dead Naked Party? So I'm glad you answered mm. that for me. That's cool. Mysterious art director. I love that. Yeah, he's he's an incredible artist. Um, he did he does all the church and AP art. He's done a lot right. of our art. Um, he did the Teeth album cover and stuff. Cool. Um, yeah, and he does a lot of art for a lot of people. I, I've... I don't like comparing anyone to anyone, but in a lot of ways, he reminds me of like NZ Banksy in the best way possible. Right, yeah. He's, it, it's like he doesn't precede his art, you know? He's not trying to be cooler or, you know, this big cool art guy. It's like his art speaks for him purely. It's about the production of the stuff. Yeah, not, yeah, yeah. It's about the quality of the work. And Is that kind of how, is that what you would, how do you feel about that? Like, because in hip hop, it is kind of, you're kind of forced, I feel a little bit to put, 
um, yourself and your persona like into the art quite a lot. Yeah. Is that is 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 that something that you ultimately are like comfortable with, but would rather not do? Or um, is, what is that? Yeah, I'm I'm definitely comfortable with it. Um, like I said, it's like the music stuff is like my entire life. Like mm. you know, the, it is it isn't a persona. Like I'm the same data. So by putting myself in it, it kind of negates any um, negative kind of uh, shortcomings of 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 letting your uh, yeah. kind of persona get bigger than your art, and you know, kind of getting in over your head. It's kind of a good balance of pushing the name and pushing the music as well. It's a bit like committing yourself to it as well because yeah. everyone else around you is like, oh yeah, you're, you're saying I'm the music guy and so everyone's yeah. going to look at you and be like, okay, you're the music guy. Better be. I remember um, Travis Barker from Blink-182 being like the reason I'm like covered in tattoos so I, try, I decided I'm going to make myself like unhirable so mm. that music was the only, if no one's going to fucking give me a job because I look like a piece of shit. So. Yeah, it's like that. Oh, um, it's like that whole thing of... Um, I don't want to even think of a plan B because that means I don't trust my plan A. Yeah, right. Um, so yeah, in a lot of ways, it's like you just have to commit to it. You know, once you once you're in it, you're in it. Do you guys um, like make a song and then have the song finished to be like, hey, what the fuck do we do with the song? Is it or is it kind of like you're formulating the plans with what the groups and everything is doing mm. as the music is coming? Like, how does that work for you guys? Um, so kind of the song writing and making processes uh different every time when it comes to individual releases we'll we kind of um you know i do stuff with church and ap that gets sorted i do stuff with dead forest and we'll individually sort that um but it all does come into like a a, a greater plan that we have for the group nothing overlaps each other which is the important thing we'll, you know yeah. each artist gets their shine when they need it and there's always going to be someone that's in the spotlight in that sense um but yeah, when it comes to making songs, we never start with like a plan. It's just kind of make the music and then see what we want to do with it. Right. Sometimes you sit on a single for like three months. Other times you want to release it the day of. Yeah. Um, but you know, with Spotify and stuff, you have to you have to wait until everything Play gets approved. Play the game. Yeah. So it, it's it, it, that, that's kind of where we're at at the moment. You're just kind of finding your space and your like the little bits you can yeah. have control of. Mm. Yeah, that's cool. And what about like, do you guys do physicals when you put shit out? No, it's, it's uh, you know, up until now, it hasn't really been uh, something that's really beneficial because, you know, it costs money to do physicals mm. as well. Um, but I definitely want to do physicals just kind of like uh, as like collectors kind of items because really that is what they are at this yeah. point. So, you know, do like, hey, if you want to pay a bit extra, you can get a physical um, I even want to do vinyls. I'm hoping to press vinyls for like future projects. Holiday so records, yeah. bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that. So uh, definitely, um, that it's in the plans for the future. So and for yourself, like, how do you consume music? Do you, you just you streaming? Do you buy vinyls? Will you, um, do you like? How do you support like um, acts you really like? Is I uh, I stream at the moment, um, but I've been looking at wanting to collect vinyls now just to have like a collection of it. I'm really I I love having like an actual tangible piece mm. of um of the music. So I've been getting into the habit of buying discs and and vinyls. Um, discs more often because vinyls really it's hard to find a vinyl of the artist you like unless they're new new. If you're 21, that kind of means that surely you when you were like kind of aware of or had like enough uh, disposable income to kind of purchase any music. Were CDs even relevant at all? Yeah, for sure. Okay, um, right. So I used to buy. I, I'd go to the two dollar store, and um, I'd, I'd I'd get their like empty discs, and so. I'd make playlists, and then burn it using Windows Media Player, which Don't. I'm sure a lot of people did. Yeah, yeah. And before that, it was Napster. Um, and before that, I would have a cassette in my stereo when I went to mm. like school, and I'd leave like the like uh, the rock or whatever we got into Maru just going. So I could get that like yellow card song I really wanted yeah, to listen yeah, yeah. to, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, there was definitely, it was, it's interesting being 21 in 2021 because um, I feel like I got like a cool, I, I got like an even amount of the fully technological streaming era and also the kind of tangible physical CDs and kind of cassette era. I just got a peek of the cassettes and then CDs growing up yeah, and then it became you know, streaming came up and stuff. But I definitely do remember Bluetoothing songs and stuff to friends. Right. 
via the phone or, you know, hearing a song you like and recording it on your phone to literally listen back to, which yeah, is cool. Fine. So I think uh, it's like a cool peak of both worlds. It's, it's really crazy how accessible music really is now. Like yeah. if you wanted a song, you had to go and find where it was being sold and purchase it like back then. That's insane. Yeah, it is insane. And it kind of, it, it, what, it makes me think of like, that's a huge change, but the like radio apparatus and the kind of like, here's the amount, here's the like small wedge of music that we're going to choose as acceptable to play on radio. Yeah. Hasn't really changed. Yeah. That, I think that's the, the sector that hasn't really been updated is, is radio. And I mean, we're kind of seeing it fizzle out now. Yeah. You know, people, now you have student radio stations and, and all that stuff that are taking over mainstream because they really play the same 10 artists. When you have like, you're like you're sitting in on a group, any group you're 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 involved in, and you're like we've got this music coming out, and um, you're kind of imagining where you want it to go and what you want to do with it. Like, do, do, does how much does radio um, compare to say like um, streaming actually play into like your plans and your thoughts? And and like, do you have like a place? I really like our stuff to be played here or anything mm. like that. Those are definitely considerations that you have. So there, there are certain songs you know will do better on certain platforms and with certain crowds. Yeah, like what so, do you aim for? Um, it really all depends on the song. Radio is never the first thing. Radio is always kind of the thing where you're like, if it does get put on, that's cool. But mm. if it doesn't, it's, it's whatever. It's kind of the afterthought when it comes to the songs. That's interesting as fuck, eh? Yeah, because I don't, I don't think we live in an era where we even need radio. It's definitely a massive help. It, it helps tremendously, but... If you don't get it, you're not going to die. You know, it's Here's, yes, I agree because I mean, people who listen to this podcast know that I've, I kind of rag on radio quite a lot. Mm. Um, but the one function that I'm trying to figure out that it did do that I don't know if it does as well, or if the playlists and Spotify and all that should actually do as well, is, is essentially the the proper role it was meant to have, which is taste making. Yeah. So like we, it if there's anything now that is actually like has the authority and the listenership to actually introduce people to music in, in a way because mm. the algorithms are good. Like Discover Weekly is pretty good a lot of the time, but it's giving it, it's it's giving a lot of the people the same recommendations really. It's still not super smart. Yeah. And I just wonder like um where do uh, where that kind of role is actually gonna be filled? Whether it's gonna be like some new version of radio doing that same thing, or whether like radio will actually get better back to its roots and do that kind of thing as well? Because I f I fucking miss that. I think I think the only solution to that would to be uh, getting better tastemakers into the radio business because the the format of radio is perfect. There's not really better way you could do it. Mm. Um, it's just the people, you know it's just common across every radio station. You have people that, you know, were teenagers in, in the 90s trying to taste make for teenagers now. It just doesn't, Yeah, yeah it's never going to work out. You could be the smartest person and it just wouldn't work out. And the world has fucking changed incredibly in so many ways. Yeah, exactly. I feel like radio just across the board now plays music you already know of instead of music that you didn't know you wanted which was what it used to be. Mm. You know, you hear a song on the radio and go, damn, I'm going to go buy that right now. And now it's kind of like, you go to radio to hear songs that you know you're going to hear, you know? Yeah, it's true. Um, switch, switching a little bit, because you, you, you know, you say you've got like, your beat making and your production is kind of like a bit weird. Mm. Um, I, I think that's, a, I, I don't find it that weird, but I think it's because we both listen to like a lot of electronic music yeah. and a lot of house and shit. Um, how do you do you like how you decide where beats go? Do you know what I mean? Like, because yeah. I'm fascinated by that. With people like some people just go like everything I make is this one. It's just one thing, and I put mm. it wherever one needs. This was like some people like this is for that, and this is for this other thing. Like, how where do you sit and all that shit? Um, I guess I guess it's 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 on a case by case basis. Like um, some songs, you just know you're like we're just gonna drop this on. YouTube, just let people hear it. Other songs, um, you're like, okay, I know this is for the festival kind of circuit. I don't care about streaming. I just want it to be out there so that, you know, DJs and stuff can um, spin it. And then there's other songs where you're like, okay, we'll do a proper release for this. Yeah. I, I guess there's nothing that uh, dictates any, any one of these things specifically. You just kind of have a feeling with each song. 
Um, but what I found with uh, the more electronic stuff is I kind of service that towards DJs. Yeah. Um, so like a DMB remix is like that DMB we'll remix is fucking sick, bro. Appreciate it. Yeah, Thank yeah, you. yeah. So it was fun. I was I don't know why, but I just didn't expect a drum and bass remix. Mm. Like, have you have you fucked around with drum and bass before? Obviously, uh, or? I'm still new to drum and bass, right? So it's it's very much still a new thing to me. I've been a fan of drum and bass since I was a kid, just listening to artists here and there. So I've always been interested in it. But um, getting into the drum and bass that's popular now, I'm like, I really want to do that. It's yeah. just like the most ignorant, like wish-wash <laughs> sounds getting smacked. I was like, bah, I want to give this a go. Bro, I got to tell you, that was, that, was, that was what dubstep was for me. Uh, dubs, when I was first at university, dubstep was like mm. just popping off. Like Rusko had just come out yeah. and Flux Pavilion and these people. And they like they would play in Croydon. And mm. then the second place everyone would play was Dunedin, New Zealand because there was this huge thing happening yeah. there. I, I wish I was around for the dubstep era. I really fucking, I, I love that old school dubstep, like the 2010 onwards kind of It was era. fucking, cra- it was awesome, man. Mm. It was fucking good. Like the, the fact that somehow... Dunedin became this like hub of it where like we had all these guys would tour every year playing venues to 200 people. Like yeah. I remember going to see Rusko at, and um, no, sorry, not Rusko, Dr. P and Flux Pavilion doing back to back. And that, and it was, mm. that was where he, he played his Tetris remix for the first time. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. And like just shit like that. It's fucking awesome. And, but um, it, it does, it's funny that New Zealand has this kind of infatuation, that kind of music because Drum and bass is like a huge New Zealand thing as well. Yeah. Like yeah. there's a reason like, you know, Subfocus is big and he comes here all the time. Mm. Netsky is big. He comes here all I the mean, time. I mean, he's pretty much a Kiwi at this yeah, point, Yeah, right? he pretty much yeah. is, yeah. Um, so it's good to hear. Like, I guess that's why I shouldn't have been so surprised when I heard like a drum and bass remix from you. Mm. But like production-wise, was it harder? What do you think about it? It's 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 it's, it's interesting because a lot of the same principles you have with hip-hop don't apply to that you know there's just certain things um that just don't cross breed so you, you kind of have to go back to the drawing board it's definitely a style that you've you have you need to have been making for a while to kind of understand you don't get it quite off the jump because from the outside it kind of seems you know you're like uh, this is just a kick and a snare and a bunch of random noises arm right? and break and some sense yeah yeah but once you start making it you understand that there's like all these different elements that have to come together you know the pull the build up the break you know how the refrain like how you're going to keep three drops that are the exact same interesting and switch mm. them up over the course of 5 minutes um i owe that to like i listen to electronic music more than i do hip hop so I just, I always have an ear for that kind of, I guess, I, I listen out to that. So I knew how to approach it. Uh, it was just a case of making it enough. I, I'd made a bunch of DMB tracks that I just ended up canning leading up to this DMB right. remix so that I felt comfortable actually releasing something. When you started like actually listening to songs in a production sense, you know what I mean? We start mm. learning and you know what you're listening out for. Who, who were like the electronic artists that you... And straight away went to like, oh, I'm gonna try and listen to their shit to try and figure out how they've actually done like done that. Like, who mm. were those production kind of like, um, not mentors because you don't, we don't, you might not know them, but yeah. like the, the the markers you like point to. Um, I think so. When I was like 11, 12, when I started really getting introduced, introduced to you were 11 or 12 when you started making music uh so i started making music uh, around 13 12 but 11 and 12 is when i started just i hadn't understand it i didn't understand what producing was but um i just watched behind the scenes videos of, of producers in the studios awesome. like edm uh producers yeah so at the time for me that was like um this is an artist called wolfgang gartner yep. like dead mouse skrillex of course um daft punk yeah. and then you have you know, you had that whole era of music. There was this other really interesting um, artist called Maud Fustang. It's the coolest name ever, but he was an electronic artist. Yeah. Um, so I'd listen to all these guys, um, a lot of house people, a lot of, you know, uh, dubstep people, a lot of kind of progressive house people. And I'd just, I'd just study it, like, and, and see um, what they were doing. One of the biggest for me was Calvin Harris. Right. I, I think he probably had the biggest um, impact because... He's just had such a dope evolution from his from his like debut album up until now. Like, I'm like, this is how I wanna, because there were hits, but it didn't feel generic. Mm. You know, like, mm-hmm. 
There's something about his hits where you're like, okay, this has been played a billion times across the world, but I'm not sick of it. He just, he found a way to tailor that. Yeah, he he also it's that thing of like he's one of those masters of like there's not heaps going on, but none of it's boring. All of it's kind of like this perfectly well-oiled machine of yeah. of, of shit that like it's that magic thing that I'm like doing more with less, especially in production. Mm. And he had an incredible ability that you'll go so far with if you have as a producer, and that's. He had an incredible taste in which artists to work with. It seemed like mm. every artist he put on his tracks, That's true. it just worked. Like he knew how to cater them and make like an amazing record, which is hard. Yeah, I, I mean, it is hard. A lot of people, like even I had Jacob, shout out mm. Jacob again. Um, even when he collaborates with people, he was like, no, I just work on it alone. Like I get the stuff from them and I do it. I don't sit in a room and do it. I think yeah. some people find it really hard. I know that you do it in the room with people mm. and that that's like the energy that you need. Um, would you feel as comfortable? Like, had, do, do you imagine yourself getting someone from outside of the family, outside of like yeah, working absolutely. with these artists? Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm just kind of in the process of um, sending beat packs out to artists and stuff. There's a ton of artists I want to work with, but I'm real particular with which artists. Um, and, you know, I don't want to, I'm a believer of, of you know, if, if it's going to happen, it'll happen. Your paths will cross eventually. So um, these artists have a, kind of an interest in, um, and because I'm not really interested in the whole beat pack thing. Uh, I just hate it. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's like making a bunch of beats and then I send it to you. Uh, you might hate all 10 of them, but there was one I didn't care about that you might have liked. But had you been in the studio, you know, that would have worked out. So I'm much more of a in-person, let me show you beats type of thing. But I do relate to Jacob in the sense of um, sometimes I just want to grab the stuff and I'll work on it alone. Because, um, yeah, it can get difficult. It's, it's a difficult process, especially because everyone works at different paces. Mm. So it's hard to kind of um, be on the same wavelength in terms of that. What's the, like, wackiest out there furthest away from your normal wheelhouse kind of like artists that you really enjoy that you would be like fuck I kind of just still I just really love this person even though it's not what I usually listen to or what I do like international anything national international um hmm, that's interesting I've suddenly forgot every artist I've like for, for, for me I've 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 become obsessed with this band bring me the horizon oh, right. who, like this they used to be a really cheesy emo guitar band. They had like three really just like emo core heavy yeah. metal albums. It's not really my kind of thing. And then introduced this like electronic producer guy into the team and then just made these two or three like fucking crazy produced mishmash of like EDM, guitar, hip hop, like these fucking albums and took mm. like rock music. I, and I fucking love that. But like it's one of those things that like, it is, comp it is nothing like anything else I fucking listen to, yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? Um, I'm trying to think of that. Um, instead of like specific artists, it'll be random um, songs I listen to that just right. make no sense. Okay. Um, but yeah, there's like... It, well, so, so what's the song that people would be like, oh, you listen to that? Man, oh, I'll you, I can't <laughs> yeah, pronounce can it. Can you so get your fucking you, phone out? I'll look at my phone. <laughs> you can look at your phone. This will be... Um, <laughs> So, let's see. There's a lot of... I mean, for me, I loved that um, Dominic Fike song. What is that, like three, that three, oh, three nights? nights? I fucking love Oh, that's I, incredible. I, mean, I don't really that, listen that's, to I'll stuff, give radio props that to that because they put me onto that. Um, so, let's see. Um, that's one that's weird. I have... Uh, this is... I'm not even sure what culture it is, but it's by a group called One Talks. Okay. And the name is called Ramakanzi. Okay, sick. And it's very good. How did you find it? Um, I, I had actually, it was on one of my mate's Instagram stories, but I remember it from being a kid because my brother would always play it. Right. Um, and it's like this Polynesian band, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it's just such an incredible song. But uh, yeah, it's just one of those, when you listen to it, once <laughs> you listen to it, you'll be like, oh, okay. Fuck yeah, we'll put it in the, sh in the show notes. I've only just learned that show notes are a thing on a podcast. You can put like little links below the thing. Oh, really? There you go. Well, we're very professional here. 
Ah. It's a very professional podcast. Yeah, every day is a school day, man. <laughs> every day is a school yeah. day. So did you so did you do any of the music stuff like at high school were you making music? Did you do any of the band stuff? You weren't ever tempted to like do smoke free rock quest or any shit like that? No. I was super shy okay. uh in in high school. So that stuff would have mortified me. Right. But I was definitely in the early stages of um I think I started releasing um uh, music on SoundCloud in like in year 13, so it was actually quite late in high school, my last year. Right. Um, so this was like 2016. I started um, making beats on GarageBand and I would upload it to SoundCloud from there. You get like 50, 40 plays. Um, but to me, that was like a million. That's, yeah, that's, that's fucking a lot. You know, I was thinking right. like 40, like shit, 30 people are in my classroom. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, that, that's when I started um, releasing music, uh, period. But when I started actually making music was... Um, Around twelve or thirteen, um, it was actually on a Nintendo 3DS. Funny enough. Wow. Yeah. How so, do you make music on a Nintendo 3DS? Um, so I got it as a gift for my birthday for my parents, um, and they had like a DS store um, where you could go on, and they had they'd have different yeah. games and uh, stuff you could download. And I saw this one app called Rhythmic. It was spelled R Y T M I K, and it, it was essentially like a condensed. Um, digital audio workstation on the 3DS. Wow. So there was bass, kick, guitars, synths, and, you know, the whole nine yards. And you could actually um, program melodies and um, structure them out. Like, it was a proper music-making program. Um, well, as proper as you could get on yeah, a 3DS. Yeah, yeah. So I got that. I started making terrible beats. My friends were very honest about them being terrible, which I ve- I, I, I appreciate them for that in hindsight. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I started making beats on that, got really interested, and then from there got an iPad for my birthday, I think like a year, two years later maybe. Mm. Got onto music making programs on there. From there was that eventually d- what what were you making on, on the um, iPad? Garage band? No. There was a program so there's a program called Cubase for computers. They had yeah. a iOS version called Cubases. Cool. Um and it was really it was actually pretty full fledged. So that's when um I started making actual remixes, mostly remixes because I couldn't make anything original at that point. Just like bootleg sampling parts of the song? Yeah, yeah. So I'd, 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 it was mostly recreating like EDM songs I liked and sampling um, EDM songs yeah, at cool. that point. Um, so I'd get like, well, I made like a Calvin Harris bounce remix by just t- taking like one of the lead notes and just creating a melody out yeah, of nice. it. Yeah, nice. From there, I'd, I moved on to GarageBand and it was uh, making beats on my phone until I could afford um, a proper laptop. And that's when, uh, what are you on now? Now, now I'm on Logic Pro X, which Logic is like, Pro. you know, GarageBand's dead. They just had that whole update. Yeah, that's an insane update. How are you finding it? Um, I've I've still yet to use it. I've used it on a few friends' laptops because mine's cracked. Okay, yeah, sick. <laughs> um, but I will pay for it. Yeah, yeah Apple. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm sure they're listening. But yeah, um, it's insane. It 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 answered like my biggest problem, which was a sampler. If you couldn't just drag audio in, you'd have to like open up the sampler and load it in and exit and then save, name it and just, you know, it ruined the whole flow. But now it's like so seamless. Yeah, because you, you sample for a lot of the like hip hop stuff, uh, like all the uh, the background melodies, yeah, all that yeah. shit, lots of sampling. Mm. Do, you, do you have that same approach? So that if you're approaching the electronic stuff or do, are, um, you, are you more just like from the ground up for the electronic stuff? For, for electronic stuff, it's like all original. Uh, and yeah. then for the hip hop stuff, it's a lot of sampling, you know, and you never know. Sometimes you mix both. Um, I think that's what's really helped is the fact that uh, I do both. I'm interested in both. So I can incorporate hip hop stuff and the housey stuff and housey stuff and the hip hop stuff, Yeah, um, which helps. But yeah, typically with the EDM stuff, it's more synthy kind of based in and all that stuff. I wish I had actual analog synths though. Well, well, well. If, you, if, if someone just dropped like five grand on you, what would you want to pick up first? Do you have like dream I'd get gear? a Moog. Just just for them, them thick, juicy bass sounds. <laughs> thick with two Cs, bro. Yeah, yeah. Have, you, have you ever met Luke from Flamingo Pier? Do you, have you heard of Flamingo Pier? No. He's, uh, Flamingo Pier is this, it's, it's a, Group. It's a. Uh, it's a band. It's a festival. It's a. It's all under one name. They do mm. kind of do it all. They're on Soundway Records, which is like this English um, kind of house world electronic label. It's really cool. Um, but uh, he 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 yeah, reminds me a lot of Luke. Very very good thing. We see he's also someone who like 
like it doesn't sound as an, as intentional with you, but you're kind of doing the same thing where you've got there is this kind of like totem pole in the center of like what you're doing, mm. and it's kind of you essentially. Um, and and then and then everything you do and everyone else around you is, is kind of rotating around this this thing, and you're all holding yourselves together and all doing that stuff, but all doing right. different stuff. Um, yeah. Anyway, he he he's. Every one of us who produces, we like, I want some fucking good gear. Like yeah. having a laptop and he, he went out and bought that Moogs. Mm. I think he got the sub sub thirty seven. Yeah, whatever man, it is. they're amazing. The Straight sounds that come out of them, you're just like, what the I had how did this even how's this made? It is fat, bro. Do you have you had that moment like have you ever had that moment you've made a song on your laptop, sounds great, and you've taken it to a club to play it. Maybe it's like um you're actually playing a live gig or whatever and it's just like fuck it doesn't sound as good as I oh yeah to me. Uh, in 2018 my shit just sounded terrible from a mixing uh, point I'd go back and listen to it and I'm like man what the fuck what is this uh, <laughs> so I ha- I'd have that problem in 2018 a lot where I'd, it sounded great in my headphones or maybe it didn't maybe my my I'll, at that point I was deaf mm. and I'd take it to the club it just sound terrible you right know, you, the bass was just you're giving people seizures it's not a good time um, too much bass yeah yeah because yeah, that era was like just crank it up there, man. <laughs> just, just. I need limit to hear everything. all of it. Can I hear um, all of it, please? It's all on SoundCloud. Funny yeah, yeah, it's yes. all up there. Um, but uh, yeah, now now that happens every now and then. But you know, the process is much more refined. So, because if you got like, if you got good monitors, uh, yeah, yeah, and I test it on everything. Like, just the weirdest predicaments. I feel like do the best um, when you're testing your music. You know, you test in the car. On the studio monitors, which is very niche, you know, mm. how many people really have studio monitors? Expensive headphones, nah. Like test it off the iPhone, like a shitty Pringle speaker I have for some reason. Yui Boom, play it from the iPhone, but from the corner of the room. Like I'm, you're just trying to get all the experiences. Like how how are people going to consume this? You're such a thorough man. I really overthink it all, and <laughs> none of it matters at the end. Are you are you like it? It's is the overthinking just in terms of mixing or is this like a life thing? Oh, it's a life thing for sure. I guess when it comes to the music, it helps because I can refine things a bit more. But yeah, it's definitely it's just kind of how I think, you know, just overthink it. Do you have do you have anything you like to do to kind of turn the thinking off? Um, honestly, it's just music. Yeah. Uh, I wish I had another hobby that that I could say, you know, pottery or some, <laughs> some, some avant-garde shit, but it really isn't. It's just music. Straight music. Um, just creating in general. Like I really love um, video games that let you create as well. Um, it was kind of, because um, prior to going full-time music, I was doing architecture. Mm. So it, it lends itself. It's essentially, you know, music of the eyes, right? Well, you tell me. I mean, I, I the physical space thing is a really interesting one to me. Mm. And you're not the first person on the. In fact, you're. There's been a surprising amount of people who have sat on the couch and done the podcast, and it's ended up them talking about the importance of physical spaces. Yeah. Um, and it's 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 crazy that you would that you have that architecture lens as well, mm. and how uh, frequently that happens with musicians and and all that stuff. Um, and I, I that 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 leads me ask about like your studio, mm. uh, one the one you had. Uh, uh, at your house and now the one you operate out, out of as well. Mm. Like how how important is that physical space to everything you do? Uh, it's super important because, you know, you want to be comfortable in the space you're in. The studio at home are fully catered to myself. So everything I need is there. Mm. If something, you know, like feng shui, it's as much as it's this kind of concept on paper, it's a very real thing in my opinion. Like if a space just doesn't feel right, you know, you, you can't really, you don't feel productive. So um, curating that was important. You know, I went through like a lot of different um, setups to until I was like, okay, this feels right. And with the studio setup, um, it has this kind of real, it has this work feel to it. You know, you go there and it's not really inviting uh, in any sense of the word. Like, you know, it's the 60s studio with like wooden cladding. It's everything's wooden. There's like 60s carpet, mm. all this uh kind of gear, uh, this massive mixing board, um, and you just kind of get into the mode of, okay, well, it's work time. Like, I'm not here to mess around. Whereas at home, you know, I can take extra liberties and, you know, go for a 
uh, drink break, I can play games, watch TV, whatever. Um, so I guess you kind of, you create d- different moods. Uh, it's important to have that external space where you can just go to and focus on music. The productive fully. space. Yeah, and then there's a space at home where if an idea springs up, I can go make a song. Um, but yeah, I feel like spaces at home don't ever work if you have your bed in it. Like No. Because it's now a dedicated studio space, but before I had my bed in there, it's just the f- I could look over my shoulder and it's like, man, I could really just look at memes for two hours. I'm going to go do that. Yeah. Um, so it helps to kind of chop that off and, and not have that that dirty temptation just right there. It's so hard, man. It's tough. I have, it's tough. I've, I've had to start learning to like put my phone like on charge even if it doesn't need mm. – in another room, even if it doesn't need a charge and just be like, so I just can't have it next to me. I can't fucking check Reddit. I can't do Twitter. Yeah, it's such a shitty addiction, eh? But we're all in it like knee deep. You know, just a constant need to check your phone. You just press the power button. It's it's ah, it's four thirty. This is <laughs> it does nothing for you. Um, do you? What's your like? You're on Twitter. Yeah. Is that what uh, you're on Instagram? Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't say Facebook. None of us really. Yeah. It's just kind of. I made a new one just because I was like, I don't know any of you people. Yeah. And it's just, there's like two hundred odd friends on there now it's just people i know it's what was really beneficial i'd recommend it to anyone do you do you enjoy uh, is it anything more is there any enjoyment or is it just work when it comes to like how do we put um how do we put our music and all that stuff out on social media it's um you know it's enjoyable in the sense that you're finally getting the song out you're excited to see what people think about it um for them to hear it but i think in my personal opinion um it's probably the worst part of the job is the the marketing of the song. You know mm. how many how many ways can you really really announce a song? Like mm. it gets tiring. It's like you know how can you try to come up with new ways? You know how can I announce the song different this time? How can I make it interesting? You know I think all of that stuff is it lends itself towards the marketing part of things, which mm. is I, I guess it's good when you have a manager and publicist and all that i think that's that's when it's important to have those roles um to build the team because really there's nothing artistic about it you know (laughs) releasing a photo and saying hey such and such is out on the state uh that's that's when i think it's important to find kind of external people that can figure that out for you you can offer it's not worth your time and energy spent on that when other people can probably do it just as well yeah yeah. i mean it's important to know of right you you want to have an insight on every aspect of the business um but it's just not you know whether you've done it yourself for 10 years or someone's done it for you for a few months like it's the same exact thing you know yeah of course you've done your part you made the music and now getting <laughs> it out there is it's, it's a whole nother thing now on twitter you said you wanted to come on a podcast to talk shit yeah unfortunately we've i think we've talked a lot of sense we have the whole time <laughs> i could have been i just Shitting on things, but is there, is there anything that you like? If is there any like Kanye style rant that you've like really always wanted to like put on mic? Actually, no. <laughs> for the for the most part, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty reserved in that sense. Yeah, cool. it would just be random food facts, you know. Like what? Not even food facts. I just I just I just like. I, I think eventually I'm going to transition my Twitter into just a food Twitter where I just talk about. I just trash it, bro. I love that. Yeah. Like, that's that's really, my Twitter is just a bunch of random thoughts. So I'm like, let me just, I'm going to just make this about food eventually. Well, that's what fucking uh, Keegan does. He just talks about different like fish and chips and shit he finds on K-Road. Uh, and I, that's all, I, that's what I like. That's yeah, what I, you know, I mean, sure. I, I fucking love food. I cook like most nights. I fucking, I cook like plant-based, bro. Man, that's dope. I fucking suck at cooking. That's, I'm terrible at it. I could cook noodles, maybe eggs, not even that. Probably. I might fuck that up. <laughs> I've always thought about doing like a um, doing like a musician's cook class because, like, honestly, you don't uh, you don't need to learn shit that takes time because musicians just need to learn how to cook something slightly impressive for themselves, but in the quickest time possible. Yeah, because I'm the same. Like, you know, most days I, I finish the cafe at fucking like two thirty. I'm home at three, mm. so which is great because then I've got say like three thirty. And then I give myself to like 6.30 yeah. to do music. I'm like, cool, focus time. If I only got mm. this amount of time, I'm going to fucking get in and do it. Yeah, yeah. But then 6.30, it's like, cool, well, I've got 
I've now got 45 minutes to make myself a, a meal and I like food, so I'm going to have to make myself like something f- something good. Kind of okay, yeah. but the time limit of it gives you like, mm. okay, well, I've got to fucking make it quick. Musicians and artists need like, it's a more of a time-based thing. We want a quick meal that still tastes good. Yeah. And I've kind, of, I've kind of nailed it over the last like, and I'll tell you what, vegan meals tend to actually, because there's a limited amount of ingredients that can go into it, yeah. limited amount of things to cook. They're actually pretty handy for getting that quick meal in. What would you say is like your favorite, like the quintessential, the go-to? The go-to, honestly, like um, there's two of them. One's like a vegan nachos. Oh, fucking easy, right? I'm already on board. Yeah, vegan nachos, and then like I really love. It's really easy to make a really quick, good like couscous salad. Mm. Those are my two go-to's. You know what I mean? And those two, uh, Mexican and Mediterranean are two really good, easy cuisines to make. Good food, but still vegan. Uh, for me, like I love Indian food. It's really good to make really good vegetarian Indian food. It's kind of a little bit harder and takes a little more time to make vegan uh, good Indian food for me. Yeah. Um, because like I love like, you know, butter chicken. Yeah, you, a lot of it really doesn't tend to, it doesn't lean towards It's tough veganism. and I can tell you, you can do it. V- vegans are like wizards. They're like, well, I'm going to conjure up something that tastes like butter. Yeah. The thing they don't tell you is it'll take you like an hour and a half to make the fucking vegan butter before you get into it. I had um, I'd heard of an interesting predicament uh, that revolved around the, you know, the vegan Whopper burger that, was made to taste like meat. No, you mean plant-based. Plant, oh, plant-based, my bad. They so, can't say vegan. Yeah, can, can you really even, Well, no, because they cook it on the same grill the same they cook grill, the yeah, meat so. one. Um, so a vegetarian friend of a friend had tried that and it put them off because they said that it tasted so close to the real thing that it just felt wrong eating it. Yeah. So my question is, where's the line? Like, where? how good is too good? Yeah. Before you start thinking, oh man, I'm, I'm eating the real thing essentially. And it's funny because it's not even like a, I, I don't know, like it, it, I equate it to that thing that people get when they get drunk for the first time, too drunk mm. off a spirit. And then they have that like feeling with that spirit for a couple of years. Yeah, for yeah. me, it was like um, whiskey. That was like, I got two when I was like 16. And yeah, I mine is still whiskey. Whiskey, yeah. yeah right? Yeah, that taste aversion. Yeah. I think that that, is it's like a physical reaction that I think is the same thing when people have that, when they don't have meat for so long. Yeah. Which is funny because like, you know, vegan and like all these people are trying to make like plant-based shit. They're chasing the, they are literally chasing the meat taste. Yeah. And I'm always so, like you just pointed out, I'm so confused because vegans don't want to eat meat. I mean, I'm not, I'm not even vegan, but I I've know I've always been vegans. confused about that. It's like you, you even cut it the same way to look the same. Yeah. You can make a triangle shape. This is, Just this make is something new that tastes real yeah. good. Why does it have to look like a steak if it's tofu? I you found know. out the other day that like the Beyond, it might be Beyond Burger or like the Impossible Burger. One of them is like even, there's this like um, fucking like blood cell and meat, a, a certain like type of iron mm. that is in the blood that gives meat this like certain flavor. And these vegan companies are finding, are trying to synthesize the exact like uh, uh, iron type to give it that taste. And I'm like, but, but pe- most people aren't going to want to buy it. I guess it's for the people, it's, they're advertising to all the meat eaters who are like feel a little bit bad about how much meat they eat. Mm. I, think, I, I think I saw something related to that where um, they injected some sort of red substance. I, it may have been blood or I, I don't know, but they injected it into like the veins of a leaf and it like fully, it was actually like circulating and stuff. Which oh is my interesting. God. So maybe they could, you know, cross, cross, uh, cross those two parts and and make something interesting from <laughs> in that. I like that because you're obviously quite like me. Like I, I spend most of my time listening to, thinking about, or, or talking about music. So mm. like, but I love and I still love science. I love food, all these things. But I don't. Ha- I literally don't have the time to actually have any real knowledge about these things. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just like I, the, the same thing with the leaf. I'm like that is fucking crazy, and I have no idea how it works, and I have no time to learn it. But it's fucking crazy, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. It's just having like a, a gauntlet full of. <laughs> little shitty useless facts you know <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, but it's like party tricks it is like party tricks whenever you feel like the convo's going a little dry you just pull out one of those well it's kind of like music you're like I know if I put a kick here everyone's just gonna be like fuck yeah, yeah. bro yeah it's the same thing you're just you're producing you're producing your life essentially <laughs> um, on that note wonderful conversation absolutely thank you very much for coming down yeah, thank you for having me um, 
Do you have any plugs coming up? Um, so it's, I've a, it's a, a new year. It'll be imp- you know. Yeah, I've I have a new single on the way with uh, Dead Forest that gets announced uh, very soon, actually. Um, so that that'll be coming very shortly. Um, At Thy Feet Part Two with Church and AP is on the way, and um, yeah, just keep an eye out for new music, I, I guess. And and shows hopefully in the shows, soon future. Yes, COVID. Hopefully not. Just so shows. That shit down. That's definitely. That's definitely. Yeah. That that that'll be on its way. Um, and yeah, I want to do a cooking show. So keep an eye out for that. So, I'm gonna try and make that happen, bro. Yeah. I mean, it's it's such a good break. It is. I literally like. I get. A, I buy a new beer I haven't tasted. I put everything down. I maybe put like a podcast on the background or some mm. kind of like fucking YouTube thing on the background. And I just spend like an hour just like slow cooking some shit. Mm. It's, it's meditative. That's, I was, um, I recently did something uh, with RNZ just cooking baklava with my mom. I think I saw. And I burnt the shit out of it. Yes. I, think, I, I rem- burnt the shit I, out of I it. I remember the burning part. Yeah. So she redeemed it. She ended up making a better version. But I hope that doesn't sit in. <laughs> Set a precedent. Hello, if you're a music producer and you're out there. Uh, uh, my bad. A, a, a food show producer and you're looking for people. That's that's the past. I can make food. Please. <laughs> it's a redemption arc. Please yeah. be a part of it. Yeah, this, is part, this is character development. That's all it was. <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. New episode every Sunday. Happy New Year. Cheer, butter. Cheers. <laughs>